Two years ago, I learned a lovely story. This maintenance guy for the George Washington Bridge came up with a way to make a big splash for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Every October, the crew climbs up and checks all the lights. At the end of the month, they return to replace the light bulbs and contend with faulty wiring. He went to his boss and he said simply, you know, for the cost of inexpensive pink gels, we could turn the bridge pink for October. And so it happened. The bridge was spectacular. And there was no mistaking the symbolism. I remember driving over the bridge that month and it was the stuff goosebumps are made of. And then I wondered, what does the pink do? I kept going. What about all those ribbons and all those colors? Folks of a certain age will remember the history of the yellow ribbon. One round your old oak tree meant you were waiting for someone to return from military service. But perhaps the spotlight for ribbons was at the 1991 Tony Awards when the AIDS movement brought ribbons into the fore. Red ribbons worn by attendees, but not a word could be spoken about the why. So all of this came to head for me last week when I was watching a Yankee game. All the players were wearing yellow ribbons. I had no idea why. Finally, the announcer explained, raising awareness for childhood cancer. Okay, awareness, I get that. But is that it? Is that enough? How does it advance cures? How does it raise money? Inquiring mind, that is Jones, wanted to know. So I went and found just the right person to speak with, a nonprofit foundation expert who is also a marketing guru. Last week, we had the best time bouncing around ideas on this topic. We talked ribbons, Facebook likes, and whether they make a difference, or do they let people off the hook? I guarantee you an engaging and provocative discussion. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. Dan Oshiak has spent most of his professional life as a marketer. Or maybe it's a marketeer, a mouseketeer, I don't know. He spent 35 years in the Time Warner family with roles ranging from strategic planning, brand promotion, and event planning at People Magazine to one of the minds behind the launch of Entertainment Weekly. His last gig at Time Warner was as VP Philanthropic Investments and the VP of the Time Warner Foundation. Hey, Dan, I'm really happy to revisit our engaging conversation with our nonprofit listeners today. I am as well, Joan. This should be really interesting. That's our job. Um, so Dan, during your days at, uh, Time Inc., you were also engaged in the AIDS movement. And I, I remember you and I last week talking about the power of Elizabeth Taylor wearing that red ribbon in the early 1990s. What do you remember about it as both a man who was directly impacted as, by the crisis and then also as a marketing professional? Uh, actually, I think the first thing that I recall was, that, um, seeing the red ribbon at that Tony Awards that you're referencing. This is the 1991 Tony's. And you're right. Uh, no one was permitted to actually mention why they were wearing the ribbon, um, which in a way worked, worked in favor of awareness because the media latched onto that in a way that no one had actually expected. And by the, the end of that week, the following week, um, the world knew that the red ribbon met, was about AIDS awareness. And it, it started to become part of whatever outfit there was at um, award shows from the Tonys to the Oscars to the Grammys and on and on and on. Um, Elizabeth Taylor wearing it was, um, I don't know, for, for a, a gay man in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, it was um, 
incredibly moving, I would say, for from my perspective, um, just because she was the first person to step out and raise their hand and say, we need to do something and I want to do something. Um, and I, I think I think one of the things she broke through and she helped the ribbon break through even further and give a perspective on AIDS that was not um, out in the in the world at that point. And I think breaking through is part of what we're talking about here. Very hard to break through through cause marketing these days. The um, what do you mean when you say break? Th- like, what is breakthrough mean for cause marketing? So, uh, is breakthrough just awareness, or does it need to be more? Um, I think it really depends on what the what the goal of the organization is. I mean, you mentioned the. Uh, um, Major League Baseball earlier, and I, of course I'm not I'm not a baseball fan. I will admit that um, <laughs> at all. Broadway, Tony. I was going to say the Tony Awards versus Major League Baseball. I think you're going to go with Tony Awards. But but I mean yes, you're right. You could not be more right. In fact, um, but the childhood cancer thing intrigued me when you when I when we had talked about that, and I went back and I realized that not only was the Major League Baseball creating awareness. Um, and it's not just ribbons, it's, it's wristbands, it's armbands, it's, it's yellow outfits up the wazoo. Um, but they also raise a tremendous amount of money, like millions and millions of dollars through that awareness campaign by selling materials, by, by making donations. So Major League Baseball um, has taken on an ownership fa- uh, role in 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 both raising awareness and raising funds for childhood cancers. I think the breaking through piece, I, I, I consider myself fairly in tune with cause marketing efforts. I had no idea, but I'm also not a baseball fan. And you are a baseball fan, but you had no idea. So something is missing from that mix. And I, so the skeptic in me says... Lovely. Yellow ribbons, lovely. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been more impactful? And, 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 and there probably are lots of reasons that this wasn't true, that the, they didn't go this route. But here are Major League Baseball players. They make gazillions of mo- dollars of money. What if each team, you know, there's 26 players on a team, 1000 bucks a, t- thousand bucks a, a guy, you get 26 grand per team. Like all of a sudden you have real money that could be granted to organizations that are researching the cures for childhood cancer or supporting families whose kids live with childhood cancer. And it, 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 made, it made me feel, and I have I reserve the right to be totally wrong here, that it kind of let Major League Baseball off the hook of having real impact. Um, I, I'm, I, I completely agree and I'm going to, but I'm also going to veer over to back to, uh, they are, they are raising money and they are donating money. Um, I think where possibly this falls down is that we don't know about that piece of it as, as much as we know that they're decked out in yellow on game days. Um, and so, uh, going back to what do they want people to be aware of? Um, and that that that's that really is the question here. I mean, I you know we talked a little bit about ribbons um, before this call, during this call. 
Um, and then we, um, I think I mentioned to you this uh, website I found called Fundraising for a Cause. Yeah, but before you go there, Dan, I just okay, want to yeah. say, there's, well, there's one thing I also want to say, because I am a Major League Baseball fan, is that I have seen, and, and I, this is not, this was not some, some, some sort of scathing review of Major League Baseball, I, I have seen Major League Baseball Foundation do some amazing things during Hurricane Sandy and other things like that. So it's not, it's not like the foundations that are associated with sports don't do wonderful things. It was, for me, a jumping off point about the ribbons, and so with that in mind, Mr. Oshiak, you may you may continue with fundraising for a cause. Okay, um, I went to uh, and I you know I think I, I pointed you at this website too because I was sort of amazed by um, going month by month and and seeing it seeing that there were like in in March I believe there were thirty different ribbons for awareness issues um, throughout that entire month, but. The repetition on color ribbon, for example, teal. If you wear a teal ribbon, you can be creating, trying to create awareness for ovarian cancer, anxiety disorder, anti-bullying, sexual assault, food allergies, scleroderma, and suicide. That's so, all teal. All teal. So which which is it? Um, it's funny the the ribbons that I remember are the red ribbon from because it was the first the yellow ribbon because i'm old enough to remember custer's last stand and desert storm <laughs> um and i was always very partial to the uh, the music underlying there was a movie about custer and uh, the song was around her neck she wore a yellow ribbon she wore it for the soldier who was far far away I don't know if it was the ribbon or the soldier that I was longing for, but uh, <laughs> uh, that stuck with me. And then, of course, sounds like a sounds like a subject for another podcast or perhaps a therapy session. You make the call. Um, but the pink ribbon is the other one. Um, and then beyond that, they all start to blend together. Um, and each one of those was did something different. I think I think the AIDS ribbon didn't so much raise money as it raised awareness at a time when awareness and compassion were critical. Um, I think the yellow ribbon, again, was around awareness because there wasn't actually anything to raise money for. But the pink ribbon did both and did it really well. Um, so how do you decide where yeah. to put your emphasis? That's the, I think that's the challenge. I mean, why, why are you, why be, why have a ribbon at all if you're going to pick a color that represents eight other, eight other issues that people are dealing with? Well, I, I would love to hear you talk a little bit based on, you know, sort of whatever it is you know about the pink ribbon and Susan Komen. Like, what did, what have they done well with the pink ribbon? Sort of what is it, or what is, how do we define? And I think you're right. It has to go to the goals of the organization for sure around the campaign. But what do you feel like the pink ribbon and breast cancer has done right? Yeah. What do you think they've done right? Um, actually, I think one of the, the major things, because I, I didn't immediately associate them with the Susan G. Komen Foundation. I did associate it uh, very quickly with breast cancer. And I think what it created was a community of compassion. 
um, people who, because it, again, it started to feel as though um, we all knew people who were dealing with with uh, breast cancer or were dealing with it ourselves. So the, the the family of man suddenly was wrapped by that ribbon. Yeah, um, and I, I think that was a huge, huge push forward, um, and a very smart use of of the uh, of this technique. Another incredibly smart use. And I'm going to jump to wristbands. Um, yes, 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 yes. Um, the Live Strong uh, wrist bracelet. Another. This was a. This was the first time you really saw um, a wristband. I mean, they're ubiquitous now, and you can find them in every color for every every disease or political cause out there. Um, but that wristband for um, the uh, Lance Armstrong Foundation for Cancer Cancer Research and Awareness, which has uh, raised a boatload of money, as of, I think it was as of 2012, which is five years ago. Something like four hundred and ninety million dollars, um, and a hundred million of that um, came from sales of these yellow wristbands uh, at a dollar a piece. Which is, you know, so awareness. Everybody wanted one because it was very cool. I think this was before, you know. He fell off the bike, so to speak. Um, <laughs> But but the you know the, the the issue is the work of the organization was very real, and this gave it a fa- Lance Armstrong became a, the face of of the organization, but the wristband created a community of support, and it was for cancer 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 survivors or people dealing with cancers all over the world. Um, I, I think I think creating community is critical to these uh, these efforts. Um, and you know, I think the organization is up to the organization to figure out: is are we pushing something forward for money, money raising? Are we pushing something forward because what is needed is awareness about a cause? And the, go ahead, you were gonna, you were gonna. Say yeah, something. was that, um, so the wristband became a um, something you purchase, but I, I don't believe you don't purchase pink ribbons, do you? I mean, is that a is it a revenue generator? In most cases, are ribbons. Revenue generators in the same way the wristband was. I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt I, it too. I mean, I think I think if you, um, I, I could go to this. It's like the Susan G. Cohen. I think there's probably pink paraphernalia uh, that you can buy that totally. uh, is fundraisers. Um, and I do remember, I do remember the red ribbon going from the simple cross grain red ribbon to. Um, enamel red ribbons and ruby red ribbons which obviously obviously you could buy and cost more and but they sent they started to send different messages um, correct right but at the be- at, at the beginning you walked into an event and you were handed a ribbon you were handed a ribbon and you put it on because you wanted to send a, a message of awareness and community you wanted to be part of something um, you know, there was a period, though, you know, we're putting a ribbon on. You wonder, did you, or am I outing myself? Um, right. So, you know, that was something that, that uh, became. Yeah, I mean, in, in that in that world at that time, that ribbon was a bold thing to put on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I really do want to point to people, uh, Dan's uh, find called Fundraising for a Cause. Is it .com or .org? I don't remember. Uh, fund- .com. Fundraisingforacause.com. And um, it is a fascinating look at the explosion of the ribbon phenomenon. So, um, Like there are not, three, three different ribbons. We're coming up on, on uh, 9-11 uh, on Monday. Um, there is a, uh, 9-11 ribbon, which is red and white, which makes sense. There's a, uh, World Trade Center Heroes ribbon, which is also red and white. There's a World Trade Center Victims ribbon, which is also red and white. And then there's a Victims of 9-11 ribbon, which is purple. Um, so four different ribbons. I, it, it's, everything starts to just blur. Yeah. And I, I, what I what I worry about is that these things people jump on these things they think they've we have a ribbon so therefore we're done but who are they talking to and, and alopecia has a ribbon is that the that the going bald stuff yes okay I'm 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 not going bald and so I don't but I want I I, I wanted to make sure that was right yeah no I mean. Uh, Audiology awareness has a ribbon. Um, depression has a ribbon. Ex- eczema has a ribbon. <laughs> so, of course, of course, you you have to be not depressed enough to put the ribbon on. But you know, the, then there's the you know the LGBT. And it's listed here in October, which is you know I guess uh, coming odd. out. It's odd because Pride Month is June. Yeah, um, but it's a rainbow ribbon. Um, which makes sense because it comes off the you know rainbow rainbow flag. But again, that that break that was a that was a symbol that broke through the flag. Totally. Um, I'm just look. Actually, I'm going back to June. Yes, actually, gay pride is there's a gay pride ribbon in June, which is rainbow, and an LGBT ribbon in October. And I don't know why we have a ribbon in October. I think I'm either I must I must have passed that. Yeah, um, I I didn't get that memo. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, so let me be a little provocative here. Um, is the ribbon turning? So I'm I'm now I'm so, I see this fundraising for a cause site, which is really just eye opening. Uh, is the ribbon turning into the equivalent of a like on Facebook or what some people will call slacktivism? Um, that. If I wear the ribbon or I like something on Facebook, I, I give myself the illusion that I am taking meaningful action. I really want to be wrong, but do you think there is a correlation? I do. I, I, I'd like I'd like to to be wrong as well, but um, I you know this seeing this list and I you know I saw it last night when I when I was kind of just scrolling through things to look for look for something intelligent to talk about here. Um, uh, this this told me that you know there's just so much. Did you just fall off your chair? Um, kinda. <laughs> My microphone just fell over. Um, Forgive me, listeners. Um, no. What what you what you start to see is just this information coming at you from every different every every direction, and and we're we're inundated with opportunities to express ourselves to the point where we either don't want to participate or we over participate. And 
you know, I think people might put a ribbon on because it gets them off a hook. It, it checks a box. And that's, that is something that I do worry about with when cause marketing starts to become box, an opportunity to check a box as opposed to getting involved. Um, what does that, what does that do to move things forward? People seem to be always looking for something new that is different than they've like, what's a good example of this, Joan? Um, Oh, uh, you know, and the Harvey situation, uh, you know, the flooding and, and how right. horrifying that was. Um, and you're going to forgive me, but his, he's a football player. His name is J.T. Watts, right? Yeah, it might be J.J. Watts or something. Well, again, it starts with a J. I'm, I'm, uh, if he had performed in, in Hamilton, I would, I would know his uh, background. Um, but he announced, I mean, this is, again, this is to your point. This is, this is a, this is a celebrity who announced that he wanted to do something and he was going to raise money and JJ Watts. Yeah. He was going to take that money and do good things in Dallas and I mean, excuse me, in Houston and take care of people. And he kind of posted a, what looked like a viral video in a, in a cause, uh, cause marketing cause website where you can, he, he didn't even have the, didn't seem to have the facility to collect the money himself. So he partnered with one of those websites that does that, um, you know, fully absolutely legitimate, but he set a goal of $200,000. I'm guessing he's over $20 million at this point. Now, 20, so I, I'm looking at something from two days ago, surpasses $27 million. He got a $5 million donation. I'm not sure from whom. Okay. Now, how do you, I have absolute, I believe that this, this guy, uh, has set out to do real solid work and will, but did people give him the money because he sounded cool and they could then move on as opposed to, uh, doctors without borders or the, uh, a children's defense fund or uh, the diaper fund in Houston or the red cross or any number of other um, on the ground organizations that are really struggling. And, you know, is he, is he going to, and this is not a criticism of him uh, by any means, because I think what yeah, he cause did, I was just going to say, does, does it, does it, I mean, he raised $27 million. People, he incent, he ignited people to write checks you got to give him credit for that. I absolutely give him credit. But then the question becomes, what, where, how is the money to be used? Um, I think that's, that's kind of the, 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 out, the other issue. Um, because, I, you know, what I learned in, uh, in, in um, you know, my time at, uh, in, in the not-for-profit world is that uh, sometimes give, and, and I was a, I was a funder, not a, and I wasn't asking for money, which I actually stuck at, um, giving away money. Oh, did you want me to disagree with you on that, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the pause was, yeah, well, you might have jumped in there, but, but, um, no, no, I am, I'm fully, I'm, I'm not a good fundraiser. But I never- um, by the way, I, okay, I have to just stop. So I have to stop. And just in the spirit of full disclosure, Dan was on my board at GLAD. And um, 
I think that the definition of fundraising is far too limited and that Dan's definition of whether he was a good fundraiser plays to the limited definition of fundraising. Is Dan a very good door opener? Is Dan able to get people to do things because he cares about an organization? Is he able to identify pro bono resources, introduce an organization to new people? Absolutely, yes, with emphasis and an exclamation point, and that's as important in the fundraising world as whether or not you sit down and ask somebody to write a check. So anyway, you were saying, Dan? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, no, I was saying giving away money is as hard, if not harder, um, because what you want to make sure of is that you're not just uh, sending someone a check and hoping for the best. Um, you, you, people people vet the places that they're giving money to. Um, and this, and again, I, I, feel, I feel awkward because this is not a criticism, um, but $27 million is a lot of money. Um, I'm, what I'm hoping is that there was a point at which they passed a dollar amount that said, holy shit, this is a huge amount of money. We need help making sure this is um, dispersed properly. Yes. Um, and that, that's, that's the only thing. So, but did somebody sending a donation to that particular cause make them feel good? Yes. Did it make them feel as though they got involved? Yes. Um, so, and it's up to and it's really up to JJ and whatever team he has to ensure that 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 gift has meaning and impact, right? Right. Because what you, what they don't want is you know three years down the road to be a story written about the uh, you know how the money was poorly spent. Um, right. And I think you know there's we now have seen in numerous occasions large influxes of monies into organizations, you know, the ACLU after the election and others. And, um, that's probably a, that's probably a subject for another podcast is what happens, you know, what happens when, uh, when that happens, but we'll, we'll save that. And I will remind our viewers, our listeners that we're talking to Dan Oshiak, who has spent most of his professional career as a marketer, with 35 years in the Time Warner family, doing strategic marketing, brand promotion, and event planning. Last gig, he was in uh, the uh, fortunate shoes of uh, giving away money as the VP of Philanthropic Investments and the VP of the Time Warner Foundation, and then has lots of stories he probably can't tell about his days as the chief marketing officer at the Clinton Global Initiative during 2008. Um, we're very pleased to have him here. 2000, um, 2016, 2008. 2000, I'm sorry, 2016. Beg your pardon. Yep. Um, uh, so I like every podcast I do to leave listeners with something to think about and also – uh, something practical, right? That there are so many causes, so much hunger. We, we live in this society now that is that feels chaotic, regardless of where you sit politically, um, where there's a sense of chaos and hopelessness, that there's this, this like universe of people. I Again, baseball's my thing, so I use stadiums, right? There's this whole universe of people that are on the stands, out, out in the that are sitting in the stands and then you've got tons of people, you know, the people delivering diapers in Houston and the, you know, the people delivering meals at God's love. We deliver, you know, they're on the field. Um, and, um, 
it, it, there's so much hunger to engage. Are we just overwhelmed by the opportunities? And, and Dan, is there a way to leave our listeners with some practical advice about how to convert what you're calling cause marketing into action or awareness or dollars? Um, uh, I have a, so let me just, let me stop that with that question. What should people be thinking about when they think about cause marketing that actually makes it more than slacktivism? Well, I think most people, first of all, don't think about cause marketing. I think about, I think they think about responding to something that is thrust in front of their, in front of them. Um, I, th- I think we are, you know, uh, I go back to the AIDS ribbon in, in, in 1990. Um, there was, I think we were still using mimeograph machines, um, but there was no social media. Um, so awareness was easier oddly because there were fewer things coming at us all at once. Things were easier to absorb. Um, I, I think the only advice that, uh, that I would give and this, this is maybe absolutely useless is that, uh, when something, something intrigues you in the least spend a little time to find out a little bit more about it. Um, uh, we all heard. Now we're all we're all focused on Irma, and what will that what will that mean? I actually haven't seen much in the way of um, people talking about fundraising for Irma uh, or for, except actually the uh, this spot, which I actually thought was pretty terrific, was the five living presidents uh, who are not in office. Um, I just came out with uh, two. Uh, TV spots, um, one to specifically raise money for Harvey, um, and the other to raise money for um, Harvey and other hurricanes. Um, I, I think this is one of those first moments again, and it's it you know it's it's going to be memorable, and I think people are going to respond to it in a in a in a positive way. I, I'm not sure I'm helping much here, Joan, um, but I do think it's I do think it's critically important um, if you're going to send money somewhere, take a little time to to understand what that money will do. I also think too, Dan, that um, uh, there's a bigger question which maybe we should have dealt with earlier because we're almost out of time. But um, how do you define marketing? Uh, as different in a nonprofit sector, you know, how do you define marketing as different from press and media? Um, yeah. How do you define the difference between those two things? Because I do believe that there are, you know, sometimes there's almost a little bit of a disdain about the notion of marketing your wares, but you know, sort of what's the, what's your catchphrase for what marketing you talk about cause marketing. What does that mean to you? Um, to me, cause marketing always meant bringing together um, bringing together different parties who had the ability to to bring different elements to a party um, for the benefit for a greater good and, you know cause marketing we used to um, we used to do cause marketing um, when I was at entertainment weekly we called it cause marketing and it was bringing bringing together advertisers with um, with the magazine 
and um, AMFAR. Um, what it did was bring dollars into AMFAR events, um, right. create awareness for AMFAR, um, but at the same time, it satisfied a relationship that we were ha- we wanted to have both with both sides of the organization, both both the not for profit which we supported on a regular basis, and with our advertisers, which um, we felt this cast them in a good light as well. Doing well by doing good um, right. is kind of the the cause marketing mantra. Um, there's nothing wrong with um, marketing your wares especially in a day where at a time when the world is is just inundated with information this right. this notion of breaking through is critical to any organization's ability to grow and you know whether that's cause marketing whether that's uh communications whether that's press it all starts to blend together um and, and social media social media is a whole that's a whole other podcast joan yeah, uh, yeah, and when we do that, when we uh, things going viral like the ice bucket channel challenge and things like that, you know, is how do you break through? But at the same time, you know, I think to myself, yeah, that totally broke through and raised buckets and buckets of money. But most of the people who took the ice bucket challenge couldn't possibly wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell you for one one minute what that was actually for, nor did any of them actually donate any money. You well, know? so. I mean- we, we, the whole, there's a whole other, you know, we haven't even talked about the, uh, the world of the gala, um, yes. which, you know, uh, every organization I've, I've ever talked to or been associated with w- would love to not have to do their gala, but would, would die without doing a gala. Um, and you know, you go to, you go to these things and, and it's the, they're all very positive in the sense that they create awareness in the room. Um, and they raise various various amounts of money, um, right? But how many people who actually are attending know exactly what's going on behind this behind the work of the organizations they're quote there to support? I remember uh, working with a client who said that the volunteers didn't really want. Uh, you know, didn't they wanted to keep the program really short? Didn't want the executive director to speak about the organization, um, <clears throat> thus uh, having a, an entire room full of people that m- may have very well left not actually knowing what organization they had supported. And so, you know, organizations have to be really clear about how to cut through the clutter, how to make uh, whether it's a cause marketing initiative or a gala. Um, so mission centric that you can't miss it. And so, um, so it requires sticky. really smart thinking in terms of putting together a program. Um, you know, and, and you know, the first rule is do not show a 22 minute video about the organization. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Um, yeah. So we need, we need a longer podcast for galas. We probably need some special event experts. Um, and we are, um, uh, sadly out of time. Uh, uh, but I really appreciate your generosity and your insights, Dan. And I do think that ribbon fatigue is a very interesting conversation and should provoke in our listeners some thoughts about 
what cutting through the clutter could look like. And if you want a good, keen look at clutter, uh, fundraisingforacause.com is your go-to place. So, Dan, thanks a lot for joining me. All right. Thank you, Joan. So I hope that Dan's insights have added value to the important work that you do. I've got my fingers crossed and so does Dan. The, um, I just want to remind you that there are a variety of resources that we provide to nonprofit leaders at the board and staff level that um, we hope that you will take advantage of. First, my blog at joangary.com. Next is this is one of a series of maybe 40 or 50 podcasts we've been doing for over a year on varying topics. So if you go to iTunes, you can see the topics and pick ones that seem uh, particularly relevant and meaningful. Um, There's a a book I've heard is quite good. It's called Joan Gary's Guide to Nonprofit Leadership, and you can find that on Amazon.com. And lastly, uh, a new adventure we started in May because we felt like there were small but mighty nonprofits that could not afford consulting or coaching and have provided, and we have an online membership site that is now called the Nonprofit Leadership Lab. You can learn more about that at nonprofitleadershiplab.com. So I guess you heard me on my soapbox today that there are far too many people that are sitting in the stands, but you, my friends, have chosen to do something get out of the stands and onto the field. And for this, we are, as always, very grateful. Take care and we'll see you next Nonprofits are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com. 